Julia. A warm welcome to you. And of course, thank you for checking out the Streaming Wisdom solo and sometimes podcast. A place for you to thoroughly relish in a stream of embodied wisdom. Whether it's my wisdom, someone else's, or your very own wisdom activated by what you're hearing. This is for you if you're desiring stellar shifts in perspective that liberate you from self-sabotage and illuminate your authentic self and true nature. It's especially for you if you love a good yarn showcasing the magic and mystery of life and how enchanting it truly is. And I'm talking about stories with purpose, the kind that bring forth a state of awe, optimism, and trust in yourself and your fellow humans. These stories are intended to help you cultivate your own wisdom as you pioneer new ways of being in the realms of leadership, health and wellness, inner growth, relationships, purpose, creative expression, and much more. Would you like to know what we're getting up to? Well, together we'll eagerly ride the waves beyond fear, beyond drama, and even beyond the pursuit of truth to a place of simply what is real right now about who we are and the nature of reality. By tuning in, you are also fine-tuning yourself to the frequencies of love, power, and wisdom, which is the ultimate intention of streaming wisdom. So thank you in advance for the wonderful contribution you are making to yourself that's rippling out to all humankind, all beings, and our beautiful home that is Earth. I hope you're as excited as I am and simultaneously relaxing into a comfy place to enjoy this episode of Streaming Wisdom. Welcome, thank you for being here. The wisdom I'm sharing with you today was streamed early 2021 and published as an article in medium.com. Today, you're hearing an audio version of True Body Sovereignty Starts With You. Our freedom to make decisions concerning our bodies has been called into question. Body sovereignty is fast becoming a huge and heated topic because authority over oneself is being threatened, big time. Wearing a mask against your will or having a medical injectable to keep your job, jump on a plane or be anywhere in public is a massive infringement on your body's sovereignty. Even though sovereignty is a huge value of mine, I'm not alarmed, fearful or concerned. I'm positively excited at what's to come because this has been building for a long time. And I have a hunch that we're about to reach a healing crisis point where things get worse before they finally get better. What if this collective challenge was a blessing in disguise and the perfect opportunity 
for humankind to know ourselves as sovereign creator beings, launching us into fully claiming the exact thing we are seemingly losing and in a way like we never have before. What if through this very experience, we are coming to know what true body sovereignty is? Welcome to my story, a recent adventure where I received the gift of true body sovereignty. By sharing this, I intend that you will benefit from some personal insights. And I also hope you feel inspired to look into your own generational trauma, your health and body sovereignty and to see all of this in a new light. Okay, so I'm feeling a little vulnerable (laughs) because I'm sharing some intimate details, including brief snippets of my sexual health. I'm sharing my womb, damn it. This is sacred women's business. And for that reason, I'm usually quite picky about who I confide in. So I am breaking my self-imposed rules because it's well known and tried and tested that shame can't exist in the light of disclosure. And geez, it feels good to set it free. Let the adventure begin. I've earned the right to body sovereignty. I've earned the right to body sovereignty. I've earned the right to body sovereignty. I heard this statement whilst listening to a woman's story about generational trauma. It reverberated throughout my being in varying ways and emphasis. It stirred something within, creating instant curiosity, the type you can't let go of and for good reason, as it turned out to be a powerful foretaste. First, I considered why I needed to earn my right to body sovereignty in the first place and quickly reassured myself. I'm a woman born of earth. In my heart, I know I am free as per natural universal law, and I have full authority regarding my body. A big part of me expected body sovereignty naturally as a basic human right. And I really, really wanted it. But had I earned it? And did I even need to? Hmm, I wasn't entirely sure. Second, damn, I felt the truth in her statement. I knew that absolutely, yes, she had earned her right to body sovereignty. She didn't come across as entitled, controlling, needy, or demanding either. Instead, I felt the presence of a powerful woman, fully integrated and embodying the truth of her words. But when I tried it on, I've earned the right to body sovereignty. I didn't get truth bumps tingling up and down my spine. I somewhat lacked conviction and naturally questioned myself, opening up an inquiry that launched me on a deep inner journey, one that I'm excited to share with you because during these increasingly Orwellian times, where one may potentially need a vaccination passport simply to enjoy basic freedoms. It's essential to consider our right to make choices concerning our own bodies. What's body sovereignty? Before we venture too far, let me illustrate how I see body sovereignty because the term is widely interpreted. Starting with the body, 
I'm referring to the entire multidimensional being working in unison. The physical, emotional, mental, energetic, and spiritual vessel we inhabit and the microbiome that we coexist with in Earth. And I'm in utter awe of its truest form. The body is profound in that it's a physical manifestation of the greatness of our entire being that exists in co-creation with the prime creator of this universe and beyond. Your body is a seed and fractal expression of this universe, the galaxies, star systems, the sun and the earth. It has a mammoth task of containing all of this, including our entire universal journey, all experiences, memories, trauma and growth over eons of incarnations expressed as multiple forms of life throughout this universe. I deeply love and revere my body, no matter how much grief it has seemingly given me, deep down I always knew its job was no easy task. Yet somehow it operates with precision, writing my imbalances every second of every day for every year until it's had enough. What a friggin' legend. Now, let's look at body sovereignty. I see it as having natural authority and governance with my body, and certainly not over it because I have zero proof that I'm the decision maker. My body is highly intelligent. It senses, diagnoses, communicates, and acts. And I'm certainly not the one commanding all of this. Can you even imagine one person capable of coordinating every human on earth in a mutually beneficial and harmonious relationship? Yeah, right, hey. <laughs> well, that's what your body does with every cell in every moment. And I like to think that humankind, each person representing a single cell of the body on a macro scale, is destined to come together in the same way our cells did all those years ago to form the first expression of the modern day Homo sapien. It took millions of years for cells to form just one being into this state of harmony, unification and synarchy. So let's give humanity a break, eh? <laughs> We've got at least a few miles down evolutionary road to go. So if we consider the multidimensional human being, I extend sovereignty to include governance with our physical, emotional, mental, energetic and spiritual bodies. This can include a range of topics like the right to cognitive liberty, choosing your habitat, determining appropriate medical treatment, freedom to speak your truth or share your emotional state, to wear what you want or believe what you want. In a way, it's the exact opposite of assimilation or hive mind thinking. I see every human as having unique wisdom, genius and creativity to express in this world. This is their true nature. Even though this true nature is often repressed and unexpressed. 
I also see every human having unique needs. There's not one size clothing or medical treatment that fits all. Had we not allowed ourselves to be so molded into shape, we may be able to see this more clearly. A kidney cell has no need to act or believe the same thing as a liver cell, and they are both critical in performing their unique duties. The world doesn't unify through hive mind thinking and action. It does through each person expressing their truest nature, embodying their sovereignty, playing their unique role, and coming together in unification. In celebration of these unique parts that are all required to make up the whole. The whole being a creation so grand, I don't feel we have the ability to conceive of yet. Time will tell humankind. So I'm kind of protective when it comes to sovereignty and having a huge, challenging, yet empowering health journey over the last 15 years, healing chronic pain, chronic fatigue, and many other long-term issues. I'm just as protective over the body. I have a lot to share, so grab yourself a cozy corner and let's continue on. Can you feel it? There's something in the air. Humankind is experiencing rapid personal growth and transformation. And as a result, people's body intelligence is coming online. The voice of their inner health and wellness advisor. Have you noticed the number of people beginning to realize that the normalization of ingesting poisons, including sprayed foods, pharmaceuticals, town water, alcohol, caffeine, and nearly everything one can find in a mainstream supermarket just doesn't feel right anymore. And they suddenly stop, often taking you by surprise. Collectively, there's a trend. We are doubting what we have always done and as a result, we are making rapid changes to our health and lifestyle. That's because when the body speaks and you are A, still enough, and B, have the capacity to deeply listen, it takes tremendous willpower and energy to rebel against it. Going fast are the days when you can ignore your body's communication. The punishment, which I call feedback, is both severe and has a quick turnaround that's too obvious to ignore. Let me express these symptoms until you give me what I want, says the body. An increasing number of people are beginning to really listen to their body that's been communicating with them all along. And when this happens, they naturally rebel against whom and what they were trained to think has their best interests when it comes to their health and wellness. That's another story. Their modus operandi is to think before doing what they have always done. And if everyone's doing it, well, I better question it. They are acting independently of mainstream beliefs and authority figures to determine what's best for them and their family's health. But what about your sovereignty affects mine? I've pretty much sat with this one since March 2020, and I'm still sitting with it. <laughs> An example is a mask wearer may feel that someone wearing their natural face affects their body sovereignty 
because it puts their health at risk. People have a right to believe anything in their reality, including this. Personally, I feel it only puts the mask wearer at risk, but regardless of what I believe, this example can apply to any action a sovereign being takes that has the potential to impact another. Our actions have a ripple effect. So yeah, I guess it's our responsibility to do no harm to others. And believing I need to control others to make me feel safe is projecting my safety onto them. Our health is our responsibility first. People have been projecting it onto authorities. Tell me how much alcohol is safe to drink and write me a script doc. And look where that has gotten humankind. Sick beyond belief. I feel that your sovereignty affects mine is a valid point, but can dangerously become, as we have seen, a cop-out for avoiding self-responsibility. In another light, it's all well and good to state I'm a sovereign individual, but I have many, sometimes competing aspects of my identity that make up me, all playing out their own agenda. In addition, I make very few decisions from my conscious mind. The rest is on auto, piloted by my subconscious, which is greatly influenced by television, media, marketing, advertising, every person and ecosystem I expose myself to, my home, my workplace, my conditioned behaviors, my experiences in past and present lives, my unresolved trauma, including what was carried through my generational line, my primal nervous system responses, and so on. I also unconsciously take on other people's and the collective's pain, sadness, fear, anxiety, excitement, joy, hope, and love, any emotion, they're all infectious. So being in the presence of others influences me, whether I want to experience this or not. However, awareness of this really helps. And just like you, I can't exist without the 40,000 plus types of species from Earth's microbiome, bacteria, parasites, and fungi, totaling millions of roommates, all sovereign in their own right, that live with me codependently, sharing our body home. So there's that too. I bring this up because despite the definition, to me, sovereignty doesn't mean hierarchy. I like to see my body as a vessel that doesn't express a hierarchical system, but rather one of mutual thriving between many dimensions and aspects. I can only laugh when an authority figure or entity, whether that be the government, a doctor or scientist, thinks they can exude authority over any aspect of me, because truthfully, even I can't. Back to the adventure. I didn't answer, have I, and did I need to, earn my right to body sovereignty that day. So I put it all aside without realizing the magical weaving that had already begun. For a few days earlier, and unbeknownst to me, I'd launched myself into a profound experience around body sovereignty. I was becoming aware of the generational trauma passed through my maternal lineage 
acting out as chronic and frequent urinary tract infections, UTIs, and also pain during sexual intercourse. I also had feelings of anxiety, fear, guilt, anger, and shame around this, and coincidentally, the same feelings around pleasure. I wasn't aware at the time, but this was highly influenced by religious programming embedded from one generation of women to the next. And hand on heart, this stops with me. A brief detour down memory lane. Take a left, then a right, head to my childhood Catholic church set in a tiny town of 100 residents, a town that somehow supported three different churches. Yikes. (laughs) My maternal line was Catholic. I never bought into any of that religious crap, as boldly stated by my teenage self. Thanks to my mum, mainly her awesome ability to explore beyond her childhood conditioning, our family didn't have to go through too much exposure to the insanely dark ritualistic events performed under the banner of the Catholic Church, such as normalizing the symbolic eating of flesh and drinking blood. As a toddler, I used to crack it in church. Yep, I was remembered for having many tanties, which may have been a child doing what children do, or perhaps I was reading the room. Either way, I'm sure it provided a timely excuse for my mum to duck out mid-mass. Why did we go to church, you might ask? For the sake of keeping up appearances to my grandmother. We had to attend Sunday Mass whenever she visited us, or vice versa, along with the typical Easter and Christmas sermons. Whilst church was a big deal to my grandma, it was the most horrendous, longest hour of my life to me. Gosh, it's exhausting and excruciatingly painful to do anything out of obligation. On the upside... I never felt relief like church being done and dusted until next time. Think of the classic Simpsons family scene post-church where they kick off their attire in the hallway, exclaiming with sheer joy that this is the best part of the week. It's the longest possible time before more church. Oof, I can still taste the pure excitement in my mouth. Next up, Castlenay Magnoe. South France. You'd think when you reject a belief system so indubitably, it can't influence you. Well, I assume so, and I couldn't be more wrong. Apparently, exposing young children to religious programming stays with them. It wasn't until my early 30s that I realized the Catholic Church still had a hold on me. I was studying abroad, mind-body medicine, in the south of France over the summer holidays. As part of the mindfulness class, we were to attend the village's local Catholic Mass one Sunday. It was a mindfulness practice in witnessing our feelings and sensations as they arose during the sermon. And boy, did this bizarre excursion ruffle some student feathers. Some chose not to attend, others walked out mid-sermon. I remember looking around, seeing a Catholic church for the first time with my matured sense of perception. I felt the absurdity of the charade, seeing right through it. 
The sermon wasn't overly emotionally triggering for me. Instead, I sat through the entire thing, astounded that I knew every part of the sermon, every word spoken by the priest, the responses by the worshippers, and each lyric to every verse sung. Oh, non! Hello! The main issue being, I'm not fluent in French. Just enough poorly accentuated phrases to order an eclair from the patisserie and a wine from the pub, to be precise. But it was as though I could suddenly speak French. I knew there was an issue. The religious programming was deep. I would have heard less than 20 Catholic sermons in my life at quite a young age and in total resistance to listening. Yet I'd sung my favorite raps, think salt and pepper era, as a tween hundreds of times and barely remember a word today. So why did this sermon stick with me after all those years? It was a passing thought, but I often recollected that bizarre mindfulness experience in the south of France for many years to come. Another divine wink guiding my path, it would seem. Back to the present day. My partner and I are packing for a family get-together in Sydney over Easter. Tis the night before we take off, and I'm excited to see everyone. It was our first family reunion since travel restrictions began, and I was longing to introduce my partner to my family and play with my nieces and nephews, some who I hadn't seen in over two years. I ate a tiny, organic Easter egg and remember commenting that it tasted sickly sweet, and then I went to bed. I felt mild cystitis coming on as soon as I placed my head on the pillow. I got straight back up and spent the night pacing around, drinking liters of water and herbal tea, spending hours on the toilet, flushing my system, willing to get better as I nursed myself through a urinary tract infection. At one point, I cried on the toilet. Please don't let this stop me from seeing my family. I allowed myself one huge teary moment of vulnerability and weakness and friggin' bathed in it. The rest of the time, I monitored my breathing, ensuring I didn't panic as I told myself, you've got this, this will pass. You don't need antibiotics. You can alchemize anything in your incredible vessel of a body. Whatever I did seemed to have worked, at least temporarily. Everything cleared up and we left for Sydney the next day. I was fine all weekend, but when I returned, I ate another sickly sweet Easter egg, having not made the connection the last time. Within an hour, I was nursing myself through another hideous UTI. I had blood in my urine, loads of pain, and I wondered, oh, have I really got this? but not one part of me wanted to reach out for help. That was my pattern and I wanted to rewrite it. I felt the truth in that and stayed with it. Again, the infection passed through my system. A brief side story. You see, I've had these awful things since the age of 18. I often get them after having sex or when I'm dehydrated. Alcohol and sugar play a role too. In between frequent infections of four to six per year, I would have many instances of cystitis for days on end, 
often preceding and following the UTI. Up until the September equinox of 2020, I'd had a script of antibiotics for every single infection. That's 20 years of regularly dropping anti-life bombs in my beautiful body. I often felt a suffocating darkness in my future. I tasted chronic illness and death and knew in my heart I was heading down the road of an autoimmune disease. I have to say one thing before I move on. It's really important. When you frequently kill life in your body, it makes you question your will to live. How can you truly desire to live when you're attacking yourself, the very vessel keeping you in existence? This is the energetic and spiritual curse of antibiotics and in my eyes should only be used for extremely rare life-saving occasions, not the way I was prescribed and used. And certainly not the way my last doctor recommended. She wanted to give me a script for preventative antibiotics to take one every time I had sex. I was horrified. I asked her, at what cost? She completely avoided my answer. I walked out thinking she was vastly unqualified to come near my body again. My determination to rewrite my story was about 11 out of 10. Since that day, I've completed this vicious cycle and no longer need antibiotics for UTIs. I won't deny that it was a big process, but I made it. That's another story. Perhaps my journey is not quite over, at least as I write this. And I know in the dark waters of my womb that one day these will not be an issue for me, along with every other long-term issue I have healed in my body up until this point. Now, back to my adventure. The cost of pleasure. The day after my post-Easter UTI, I was sharing with my dear friend Holly that I noticed another theme. The symptoms flared up in the presence of family and especially my mum. Holly had a hunch about generational religious programming, that perhaps the UTIs activated when I enjoyed sex for connection and pleasure rather than procreation, and I might be subconsciously punishing myself. She also couldn't help but notice that Easter eggs are a highly religious symbol. Whilst this may lack practical reasoning to some, I can tell you that every hair on my body raised in unison, <laughs> like a crowd doing the Mexican wave, cheering, yes, pay attention, listen to her. So I did. I leant right in and felt the truth poke holes at me. I wondered how religious programming could still have any power over me. But I knew Holly spoke the truth. My body reacts that way for good reason. I thought about my grandma and her adoration to the self-proclaimed God, the Vatican, the Pope and Catholicism. And I recalled that sex for pleasure was a sin in the Catholic Church. You should only have sex to procreate. Holly and I began making up stories to fish for my truth. What if the UTIs behaved like an omen from my ancestors, created from love to protect the women? What if they intended to deter women from sinning or going to hell from having pleasurable sex? 
Meeting Debbie Downer. Days after this chat, I was in the midst of enjoying whole body sensations and the pleasure of making love. And then she was there. A strong presence indeed. Another aspect of me I was previously unacquainted with. She had stepped up to the podium from a large crowd wanting to be seen. Hello, awkward time to show up, lady. (laughs) Understandably, I attempted to ignore her whilst making a mental note to talk to her soon. She faded into the background, but what is felt cannot be unfelt. I noticed how she added her unique energy to the crowd, who were making up the many aspects of me. I felt her subtly holding me back from fully immersing myself in total pleasure. She urged me to feel shame and guilt, willing me to sabotage my experience. Yep, she was a great big Debbie Downer. I was shocked to realize that this part of me was no stranger. I had actually felt her all along, a subtle sense of guilt and shame. I just lacked the awareness of her presence, having no reason to see this hidden aspect until now. The other parts of me were too busy enjoying sexual pleasure for me to register and admit to myself that something didn't feel right. Now I got the opportunity to know more of who I am, even if I didn't like my first impression of Debbie Downer. I appreciated her for finally showing herself and thanked the other aspects of me for allowing the veil to lift so I could see her. The pleasure police. What? (laughs) Yeah, nobody was more surprised than me. The next day confirmed my experience. I was clearly affected. My mood was low, so damn low that I could only be processing something big. At least I had realized this by about midday and assumed my designated blob position on the couch. I spent the afternoon glaring out the window at tree canopies between intermittent catnaps, for I have embodied the art of stillness and doing nothing when I'm processing and my feminine wants me to be. Upon reflecting over the morning, I became aware of a few moments where I felt unusually guilty something I hadn't consciously experienced for a while. And even though I forgave and loved myself in those moments, I still felt bad in a way I couldn't shake. All the signs that something bigger was brewing. In a state of total surrender, I said to myself, okay, 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 I'm ready. I let go and fell asleep in a state of misery and woke up the same way. But the process of waking was interesting because I had super heightened awareness of the aspects of me. They all came out to play like a big public debate, each sharing their unique opinion. I honed in on two of the loudest. One was desiring to fall back into sleep because it feels so good and why not? You're in the middle of a big process, trying to justify my actions. And the other aspect was berating myself to get up and do something, attempting to make me feel guilty about my actions. Then it dawned on me, I had never really had a day nap where I'd woken and loved myself totally for napping, just because. 
The aspect of me saying, great nap, was quiet in this debate. But Debbie Downer was there like a sad sack of shit in the corner, watching me, eyeing me down, trying to make me feel guilty with her beady, judgy eyes. And I realized she was the aspect of me carrying guilt and shame passed from one woman to the next in my maternal family line. Holy shit, (laughs) that's who Debbie Downer was. She sat silently in the background watching and judging me my entire life until I was still enough inside to notice her presence. And she was making herself known because I was finally choosing to close this chapter. What a gift. What an opportunity presented to me. Thanks, Debbie. My mood shifted immediately as I realized this. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm having this experience so I don't spend the rest of my life feeling guilty and ashamed. I was then sobered by a powerful sensation felt by the many women in my maternal line whose lives were abused, traumatized, repressed, and tightly controlled by religious and societal programming. I wanted to cry. Life is so fucking intense, let alone being a woman in those times. Why should the few pleasurable moments we steal be something to feel guilty about when instead we could embellish in them and truly receive them? The penny dropped even further. I knew in my heart I was alchemizing Catholic guilt and shame and all that was felt by the women in my maternal line. Yes, I was the one who put my hand up to turn this suffering into gold and end the recycling of religious-induced generational trauma for good. Momentarily, I became my mum, then my grandma, and my great-grandmother, and so on. As I weaved my awareness through them, I was changing our trajectory for all women, generations, forth and back. No more feeling shame or guilt when experiencing pleasure, whether it's making love, taking a nap in the middle of the day, or simply being. A few days later, I shared this experience with my mum, and she opened it up in a whole new and wonderful way, offering that perhaps fearing sex could also create UTIs, because sex can lead to pregnancy. She went on to say that my great-great-grandmother had five sets of twins, 14 children in total, and lost some of them when they were young. My great-grandmother had six children and had to raise them on her own as her husband died. Following her path, my grandmother also had six children. What incredible women to have those types of circumstances and deal with them during those times. I'm in awe of all the women that came before me and all of the women that came before you. I guess my maternal line tried to avoid being pregnant but couldn't use sinful contraception and they had to be available for their husband when he wanted to have sex. They likely fell pregnant more times than they wanted. They likely feared not surviving childbirth, not being able to deliver their baby safely or losing a child when they were still young. 
I can see how these experiences manifested as a highly effective deterrent to having sex in the form of UTIs. I wondered, what if it was a protection, a biological nervous system response wired to keep me safe? The past few years on my body alchemy journey have helped me trust with all my heart that my body is never attacking me. At the root core of every issue, its modus operandi is to keep me alive and safe. And if it needs to give me symptoms to do so, it will. Thanks to my mum, I was able to connect this back to my UTIs with appreciation for what they were trying to do keep me safe. That following weekend, I was babysitting my nieces and their cousins whilst the parents had a night out. Within moments of arriving, I started getting a UTI. I endured another horrendous night, but I did trust the experience and later realized I was processing on behalf of my nieces, knowing they would not have to follow in the footsteps of the women in our maternal line potentially saving them half a lifetime of what I had endured. A rough night indeed, (laughs) but I was beyond happy to take one for the team for those beautiful young girls. As divinely timed as always, I had a catch up with my co-creators, Holly and Dawn, first thing Monday morning. We began our call, eyes closed, tuning into each other's energy And at this point, I hadn't shared any news. But Dawn was already on to me, she reflected. I felt you were some sort of recording device containing awful programs that you're in the middle of re-recording or writing over. That's all it took. I burst into tears at the truth of what I was doing. I cried and cried through splutters of words as I shared my weekend and how challenging it was that I was scared I could have a serious health issue to have three UTIs in just over two weeks. A small part of me began to doubt my journey and lose trust in my body. And reassuringly, I could feel the bigger part of me knew I was seeing only a fraction of the whole picture. In, 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 into my dream space. Dawn and Holly held space for me as my awareness bled out and transcended beyond this reality. I appreciated that my tears were not just mine. They were from all the women in my maternal line, crying simultaneously. My mother, my grandma, my great-grandmother, my great-great-grandmother, and so on. For that beautiful moment, we were beyond the limitations of linear time, as we grieved and cried our deepest pain together and through one another. Some were grieving the loss of a child. Another was crying at the lack of support for raising so many children. Another was at loss for the fear of knowing they were pregnant again. We were bound by pain from womb to womb, connected by energetic cords of emotional heartache, grief, guilt, shame, and fear. We were also a united front with our collective pain and we were releasing it together through my physical tears. Holly reflected, I am just in awe of your body and what you are alchemizing on behalf of all the women in your family. 
Your body is like the eye of the needle and everything is squeezing through you. And you are being so open to everything. You're not discounting anything. You're saying yes to the pain. I'm going to alchemize this. And yes to the pleasure. I'm going to experience true pleasure as all women have a right to. It's truly an incredible thing that you put your hand up and agree to do on behalf of everyone. Dawn inspired me to initiate a ceremony and revere and honor my body and all the bodies of my maternal lineage. And within seconds of mentally committing myself to this, I received a powerful insight about the soul agreements between myself and my ancestors. Agreements and roles that were co-created by us well before our incarnation to earth. I was allowing them to experience pleasure whilst alchemizing their pain in order to complete the generational trauma being extended beyond me. And they gave me something absolutely incredible in return. True body sovereignty. Let me explain. You see, pretty much since the world changed in March 2020, I've been both concerned and saddened at the arrogance of entities claiming authority around decisions affecting my body, your body, anybody. And I've been genuinely surprised at how quickly people place their trust in abusive, fear-mongering behavior perpetrated by authorities and the media. And over the many months, I've had my fair share of tanty rants that went a little something like this. There's an attempt to mind control people into believing they don't have choice and free will over their own body, and that we must change who we are to make others feel safe. This is an illusion, because the biggest threat to your safety is always you. Let's look at this another way. When has gaslighting ever worked in a relationship, let alone on the collective level? This, you really need to change even though I'm the sick one, is avoiding responsibility and the signs of an abusive, toxic relationship. And when someone or a collective entity is coercing, bullying, bribing or threatening me, I don't comply nor buy it. Rule number one. If I felt someone was genuinely trying to help me, my body intelligence would tell me beyond any doubt that that was the case. You know, in a hanging over the cliff, here, take my hand kind of way. That fucking obvious. Not one bone in my body has given me a green light to trust the narrative when it comes to my health and wellness. I simply don't take advice from sick, abusive people and entities who use fear as their motivation. I cannot trust those perpetuating toxic, distorted behavior because they have their own agenda. And in this case, it's all profit and control fueled by fear that they are attempting to project onto me. How can that be in my best and highest interest? I want to continue walking through this world knowing I have total choice over what environment I expose myself to. I can choose my own water source, I can wear what I want, I can swim naked in the sea, I can travel if I have the means, I can choose my food and no one can tell me I must drink, eat or inject something against the will of what my body wants. 
or coerce me by designating me a second-class citizen. If you're scared of the world or other people, isolate your damn self, go into the cave, literally the one you fear most, and work on you. Take ownership of your life, deal with your relationship with death, reclaim your health, take back your power, because it's not another's responsibility to make you feel safe. Safety is, and always will be, an inside job. Mirror up. Then came the reflection along with lashings of humble pie. You gotta love contrast. (laughs) In a rather humorous way, it occurred to me that people like myself are demanding body sovereignty, externally to other entities and beings, yet we haven't necessarily, or at least not consciously, looked within first to evaluate our personal relationship with sovereignty. In other words, we are not necessarily taking responsibility for our own body sovereignty. We are walking through this world, carrying all our generational trauma, processing our ancestors' lives, reliving their experiences in similar but different ways, and we are certainly living out their health issues. So in this light, we are not sovereign. Oh my gosh, (laughs) there it is. I did need to earn my right to body sovereignty. By alchemizing what's been passed through my maternal line, I am learning what true body sovereignty is. It's to be free of generational trauma. And if the world is pushing on my rights, trying to take them away, and I'm demanding sovereignty in return, it makes perfect sense that I actually look within first and ask, am I really sovereign? Is my outer world trying to get my attention and teach me something? I truly believe that life orchestrates the perfect opportunities, often but not always in the form of challenges to show us where we are wounded. Your experience of reality is mostly feedback. External forces, such as your relationships, entities, career, home, children, and even your pets, latch into your wounds collected throughout your universal journey. These show you what you are truly wanting and desiring to alchemize, to complete, to heal. If only humans saw challenges as a natural, beautiful thing, nothing to judge nor be ashamed of, and take the horse by the reins instead of resisting them, running away or making them wrong. What you run away from, complain about, stay victim to, or resist, persists. And on the other side of all of that is natural life and every co-created agreement you've ever made supporting your alchemical process to move beyond your challenges and access more freedom, harmony and love in your life. So yeah, I'm holding the mirror up to you. Have you complained, avoided, felt victimized or resisted recent objections to your body sovereignty? If so, you can use this marvelous opportunity to lean in and empower yourself. I promise you, there's a gift on the other side. A gift from my ancestors. The truth is, I wasn't entirely sovereign. 
I was reliving body trauma and generational health issues from my family lineage and found they were being activated within the presence of them. I knew then the incredible gift my ancestors were giving me, their part in our co-created agreement. In a world where sovereignty is needed more than anything, they were showing me where I wasn't, my wounds, my gaping holes that allow these types of control energies to latch into and play out in my reality. And in my experience, each wound I tend to helps me phase out of the reality causing me grief in the first place. This current collective reality of control over people's free will is a projection of our collective wounds, disempowerment, and not knowing who we truly are. Can we see it for what it really is, or are we getting dragged into the he said, she said drama vortex? My truth at this juncture of time. Whilst there may appear to be a war on the ground, freedom versus control, people versus people, and people versus authorities, We are not victims. We helped orchestrate all of this. From a soul level, we are calling in the experience we need to wake us up and remember our true power as sovereign creator beings. Everyone is playing a role. When we harness this within our inner landscape and personal experiences, we don't need the challenge to keep appearing in our outer reality anymore. Realities run off frequency, so what are you emitting? If you keep broadcasting victim energy, totally unaware and irresponsible for your own sovereignty, what will you call back? And not as a bad thing or karma, as in the exact experience you require to change that. Remember, challenges are awesome. If everyone looked at body sovereignty from within first, Would we have a need to keep attracting these massive global events that continue to threaten our sovereignty? Are these events simply trying to motivate us to claim who we really are? Are we secretly all on the same side and we're working our way towards the mega healing crisis that creates real and lasting change in earth? Claiming my gift. The women in my maternal line perhaps didn't prioritize body sovereignty during their time. Maybe it wasn't a need or a desire. Maybe instead they desired incredibly sensual sex and intimacy, free from feeling fear, shame and guilt, and with a partner who truly sees them and wants to take their time to be with all of their body, to sense it, revere it, honor it, and desire to make them feel ecstasy and pleasure. Is that what they were experiencing through me? Is this a wonderful side effect of generational trauma, healing unfinished business? Was I helping them release everything that's in the way of experiencing true pleasure? Through the process of awakening to our co-created agreements, I chose not to continue doing this. It was no longer my duty. It's important to review our agreements because everything serves us for a time until it begins to slow us down. My new agreement is to experience what I desire most, true body sovereignty, beyond the victim and persecutor, 
accessed from my source within, which has the ability and will in fact change my experiences and how I navigate these times ahead, times where we need true body sovereignty more than ever. What a gift. This is taking epic responsibility for myself and my life, and only now I can truly say I have wholeheartedly earned the right to body sovereignty. The power of closure. That weekend, I found myself doing an impromptu closure process with my maternal line, the Catholic Church entity, and all religious programming. This is where we formally release ourselves from our soul's co-created agreements made prior to incarnation. I do this through love, honor, and respect. I was at the part of extracting the wisdom gained from our agreements, which is a flowing dialogue between myself and the other parties. This is what my ancestors shared. They wanted me to know how far we'd all come in such a short time, in just a few generations. They said, look how much has changed between us all. Look where women are now compared to then. They wanted me to know that everything my mother, sister, nieces and I were doing now was massively influencing the next generations to come. Together we realized the outcome of completing our agreement, that all women were now taking full responsibility for their own body sovereignty. No more processing on each other's behalf, no more carrying trauma through one womb to the next, we are all women and sovereign in our own right, taking epic responsibility for ourselves. The truth of this new way of relating was felt from the center of my being and extended far beyond. And then they imparted the next bit of wisdom that I will never forget. True body sovereignty starts with you. The gift and true purpose of generational trauma. I'm not sure why it took me so long, <laughs> but recently it hit me so hard. I laughed abruptly at how I didn't see this before. We naturally carry trauma from one generation to the next because it wants to be resolved. Much of what has been carried through from previous generations was from people who did not have the luxury, time, tools or awareness to process their emotional pain. They often leave their body with unresolved trauma, which doesn't die with the body, nor do we want it to. It's simply an energy in waiting, destined for transformation, desiring a new expression beyond its shadow. And it has to go somewhere in order to do that, literally to whoever is next in line. The next in line person will have different yet similarly themed experiences as their ancestors, as a natural phenomenon and way for them to relive and process what their ancestors couldn't. This trauma will continue until someone down the line finally puts their hand up and agrees to not carry it on, but rather process it on behalf of everyone within their lifetime. Therefore, completing the cycle of transformation. That's the beauty of generational trauma. That's where it has its true purpose. And what a soul to accept that assignment. What a journey they asked for. 
To you, dear listener, knowing you have made it this far, we must be somewhat on the same page. And I dare say that you are one of those radiant beings, whether you consciously know this or not, who signed up to complete the generational trauma being recycled in your family line. I want to acknowledge and appreciate you for such a brave undertaking and for following your heart and truth. Just by being you, literally just by going about your day, you are transforming lives in all generations to come. And on behalf of them, I sincerely thank you. Wow, thank you for listening. I appreciate you making the space in your life to tune into this episode of Streaming Wisdom. I trust you enjoyed it so much that you're about to share it with a loved one who may welcome this wisdom being sent their way. So you're aware, I'm not on social media at the time of this release. So if you wish to say hello, ask a question, or browse my current offers, go to grailleadership.earth forward slash streaming wisdom. And the best way to stay in touch is to subscribe on my website where you can receive my seasonal email musings and a heads up when new episodes are released. If you have received greatly from streaming wisdom and feel an urge to give back, Here are my most cherished ways of receiving your appreciation. One is to share an episode on social media or with a loved one. Another is to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and reviews are very welcomed. You can also make a financial contribution via the podcast page. Again, that's grailleadership.earth forward slash streaming wisdom. However you contribute, know that it fills my heart and fuels more episodes of streaming wisdom. Thank you again, wise one. See you next time.